wanted to see how much my throat could rumble without it being tiring. Oh, I'm sorry. That was probably really annoying. I'm I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, this is what this is what happens when I don't have intro music anymore. Not that I not there's not that there's anything preventing me from using intro music. I just felt like I shouldn't use it anymore because I want things to be different. Anyway, speaking of different, I do have some news. A big update, a very interesting update. So, I always encourage you, dear listener. By the way, good morning, afternoon, evening. I hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast. If that wasn't clear. Uh, I'm Lux. Or maybe I should start going by my real name. <clears throat> Michiaufarun. Wait, what, what kind of name is that? That's weird. Who names their person like that anyway this is all to say so i encourage you to uh normally check out the twitter at royal deluxe pod however i have now decided to branch out and make my social media presence even more confusing than it already was by adding a new twitter and that twitter is going to be my personal twitter so basically at royal deluxe pod that is still a thing and that's basically just going to be a royal deluxe podcast account it's basically just going to be the place to go to for podcast updates and i guess more just general baseball things so if you had been uh following the account previously you may have noticed i post some uh little silly little goofs some little silly jokes over there well i kind of thought hmm maybe this isn't the the most professional thing that i could be doing so how about i separate myself from the professional does that make any sense? Point is, I made a new Twitter, and it's for me, and it's for whatever crap that I'm doing, and stuff like that. And so, Royal Deluxe Pod, for the podcast, and serious stuff like that. No jokes allowed on this Twitter account ever again. But, if you do enjoy the sillier side of me, or just, I don't know, enjoy me as a person, and thank you, you can follow me on Twitter at the KCMF. That is the Twitter handle. Man, let me tell you, I... Thought like one of the I've wanted to do this for a while. This was one of those things that I wanted to change for 2023 because you know it's it's kind of weird what I'm doing. You know I want I I say I want to engage with the community more. I want to interact with the community anymore. But then look at me. I'm just like some weird, mysterious, unknown entity who like won't even reveal his actual name. And it's like. Oh, no wonder why no one wants to talk to me. Everyone thinks I'm probably just some creepy, weird guy. So uh, maybe I should change my approach here. And I'm going to use that account for a lot more interactive stuff. The MF in KC. That is the account name. And yeah, I wanted to do this for a while. One of the reasons why I haven't done it until now is because it took me a really long time to think of a Twitter handle that was cool or at least somewhat cool, and also wasn't taken, because every single Twitter handle that I thought of was taken. Like, I have to go with the Casey. The, or, see, I can't even, I had, like, different options, so and, and, and I can't even really decide on it. I'm just gonna, like, I don't know, throw this one out. The MF in KC, that's what it is. I just wanted MF in KC because that makes so much sense. Michael Farina in KC. I also have another online handle, Mozilla Fennekin. That is also MF. It's so perfect. And of course, MF means something else. 
But so it's just it's just like the perfect thing. And I'm like, oh, that's just that's genius. I'm so I'm so smart. I'm such a genius. It's taken. It's taken. But by who? By who? I don't know. Like signed up for Twitter in like 2009 and took it and did nothing with it. Elon, find this person for me and remove them. Or, or just their handle. You don't. You don't. I don't, I don't mean like you don't. You don't have to hurt them or anything. It's not a big deal. I just want their Twitter handle. Like why? Like why, dude? Just why? So that is what it is. Anyway, but whatever. The MF in KC. That's what it is. There were other. Again, seriously, it's not like my favorite option. It's not the one that I really wanted. But can't do anything. Can't have shit these days, dude. I also had ideas of incorporating Lux into the name, like uh, Michael F. Lux. That uh, could be like Michael Flux. That was taken. That's taken. Um, F. Michael. I thought that was a funny one. That's taken. Like, all of them are taken. All the good ones are taken because, I don't know, I, w I didn't sign up for Twitter 12 years ago. Screw me, right? So that's uh, big, riveting news. I probably spent way too much time talking about that. Let's talk about what we're actually going to talk about today. It's opening day, bro! It's opening day! The Royals are going to play baseball today! Meaningful baseball! Every game counts now. Every single game matters. It means something. And, um, that could be bad in in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. But maybe it could be good, too. I'd like to believe that it'll be good. In fact, this episode is going to get you hyped up with things to look forward to and hot takes actually it's going to be a nine inning program just like a regular baseball game i've got four things to look forward to just kind of get you in the in a, in a nice good mood say hey this is something that's going to be really cool this is going to benefit us and it's going to be really really exciting and you should be excited for that this season and it's like all right cool and then i'm going to get you set up for like real excitement i'm going to give you four hot takes of, for the Royals this season. Four hot takes. They're positive takes, too. I'm not going to say something bad like, Brady Singer is going to have a 5.3 ERA in 120 innings. That, that, no, we're not doing that today. No negativity whatsoever today. Not on my watch, buster. And then, after that, I'm going to go to the closer. The ninth inning guy. And it's going to be the theme of the Kansas City Royals this season. I think that the Royals have a particular theme that needs to be followed, that the team is going to follow. They're going to follow it by design, and us as fans, we should uh, watch it, develop, or, or, or listen to it, or learn from it, or something. I don't know. I'm trying to say stuff. I'm just trying to say words. I haven't slept <laughs> in like two days. I'm gonna. I'm actually recording this on Thursday, so this is a nice little preemptive thing, so that I can sleep a little bit later today. Because finally, once I'm done with this, it's like, oh, cool. I'm I'm done with most things, most obligations. Thank God. I'll go. That's why. Uh, anyway, okay. Let me let me let me uh get the starter out. Four things to be excited about for this Royals season. First thing to be excited about are. The rule changes. And, and I'm talking about the rule changes across all of MLB. Now, we've seen them before. We've already seen them in, in spring training. I think that some of these things are going to benefit the Royals greatly. Pitch clock, it's whatever. It's kind of like a neutral thing for everybody. 
Um, at least as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen anybody particularly suffer from it. Like, I remember seeing some people say, like, oh, Josh Stallman's going to be, like, devastated by this. Uh, Kenley Jansen is going to, you know, uh, he's going to have, like, five called balls on him because he takes too long to pitch and stuff like that. And that hasn't really happened. It seems like there's been a relatively smooth um, adjustment period in the minors. I know that it's also created some hilarious circumstances like the Sergio Romo incident. Uh, I think there was like an incident with Manny Machado getting called on a strikeout and it was like bottom of the ninth, stuff like that. And it's like, you know, the, the, but that's what spring training is for. It's it's to iron out the wrinkles in that. And I think it's fine. Um, I'm personally really looking forward to the pitch clock because I think that it, it makes the game shorter in a, in a convenient way. I think I've talked about this before already, so maybe I won't go uh, more in detail than just that. I think it's a cool way of condensing the game and just reducing the dead time. I've seen, I saw one argument against it like, why are you excited about watching less baseball? I am not watching less baseball. I am getting nine innings, three outs, her side. That is how much baseball I require. That is how much baseball I ask for. And I am getting that much baseball just in a shorter amount of time. That's, I literally see no downside to this. The people who hate the pitch clock are crazy and weird. And I don't get it. I am not one of those people, even though I am crazy and, and weird. But that is because I watch Japanese cartoons. But something that can actually benefit the Royals for real are the banning of the shift. The infield shift is gone. You can no longer have three guys standing right by each other between first and second base going, yeah, yeah, buddy, hit it to, hit it to the right side. We freaking dare you. See what happens, idiot. That's gone now. All those funky, weird shifts, are they're gone, except for the ones in the outfield. So if you're Joey Gallo, rest in peace. You, you're, you're still ass. But everyone else, you, you, everyone who, was just, who wants to hit a base hit like a normal person, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna really thrive in this, and I think the Royals have a, a few guys that can benefit from that. I don't actually have specific stats or numbers, but I did hear that Vinny Pasquantino is someone who's actually going to benefit from this. He's someone who had base hits taken away from him. Basically, go on Baseball Savant, look at guys with expected batting averages higher than their regular averages. Those are the guys that are, that are going to benefit from this greatly. I don't know how, how many the Royals have, but it's probably a, at least a couple. Vinny seems to be one of them, even though Vinny was already a great hitter. So imagine how much better he'll be with, without guys in the way. And then the other thing that I think actually will benefit the Royals a lot is bases are larger. Bases are just a little bit larger, which, you know, th it's one of those cool things about baseball where it doesn't seem like much. You, you, they, you, 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 get, you grab the old base and then you compare it to the new base and the new base is like, I don't know, I think it's like, what, 25% larger? Not, not even that much. Um, it's like you look at it and it's a very, very small difference. And it's like, okay, well, why does that matter? But... Just a few inches is all it takes for someone to have an advantage. Baseball is a game of inches. It is a matter of not even inches, like millimeters, I think. It's just so precise and so specific. You change the dimensions of anything. You change, you move in the, the outfield walls by one feet. And suddenly that's probably like three home runs added to something. Either your team, other team, or both. I don't know. And so... Bases being larger means you're going to see more stolen bases in general. Get ready for Bobby Witt Jr. He stole 30 bases last year. I think he can steal a lot more than that. And hopefully it won't it won't hurt us too much because catchers are going to be, 
you know, they're going to be really on their toes for this. But hey, Salvador Perez is pretty good at throwing out base runners. So maybe that won't be so much of a skill issue for us. For the others, hmm. Oh, if only we had this rule change. Eight, nine years ago? Man, we could have won 97 games in 2015. And Billy Butler would have had 80 stolen bases. <laughs> All right. So that's what I'm excited for. That's something I'm really looking forward to. The rule changes. Second thing to look forward to. Commentary changes. Booth changes. The Royals have a new guy in the commentary booth. Steve Fiziak has retired. And okay, I know that lots of people did not like old Fizz. And I am certainly one of those people. But hey, like no negativity or anything, no, no disrespect. This guy was in TV broadcasting. He broadcasted for a really long time. I don't know how long it was, but it was multiple decades. Let me try looking this up. Yeah, okay, he first began Major League play-by-play -play commentating in 1983. He had a 30-year occupation in here. So, sure, do, did, I, did I enjoy listening to Steve Fiziok talk? No, but. Having an occupation for 30 years, that is incredible. I mean, I, I mean, I'm doing this podcast because I think broadcasting is very interesting. It's something that I wish I did more of as a kid. I wish I got to, like, learn stuff about it and so that, I don't know, maybe I could have a, a, an actual cool job doing this instead of just doing this for fun. Not that, you know, I, I, I'm mad that I'm doing this for fun or anything. It, it, that, that doesn't matter. I, just, I really respect people in the field, even if I, you know, can criticize their craft and, you know, I'm obviously not good. I, I freaking suck at this. Why are you listening to me, bro? But just being, being able to do that for so long, I think that is just super, super cool. So congratulations to Steve Fiziak on such a long career. And hey, he got to stick around for when the Royals won the World Series. So I think he saw, oversaw the Angels. He, like, he commentated for the Angels with, with uh, HUD while they won the World Series in 2002. So yeah, awesome, dude. He's, 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 he's got accolades. He's seen history. Anyway, that being said... The new guy we've got is Jake Eisenberg, who was previously the commentator for the Omaha Storm Chasers. And this is, I think, is his first major league gig. And not even that I want to compare this to, not, not, not even that I want to say that he's just outright better than Steve Fiziak, but I think he brings something different to this. This guy is like my age or maybe a year or two older. Like, I think he's still in his 20s and he's going to be in the booth with... With um with HUD and with Rhino. I forgot his name for a second. I don't know how old Rhino is. Um I don't think he's like that old, but he's been around for a long a, a while, right? Like how old is this guy? Oh he's yeah, he's fifty-two. He's fifty-two, so he's not crazy old. And I don't think Rex is crazy old either. But they're he's sixty-two. Uh that that doesn't surprise me that much. Anyway. Point is, these guys are like, they're they're old fashioned, you know, and and I and I like them a lot. I actually, I I'm a, I'm an unabashed Rex Hudler enjoyer. Unpopular opinion, I know, but I actually genuinely like Hud, and and I think Steve and I think uh Ryan Lefevre is genuinely great. And it's not like they they have this, I don't know, like boomer mentality to them necessarily, but I just think getting a guy who is 
younger is just going to do something differently. Like, I think he's just going to bring a different kind of energy to this booth. And I think he's going to be able to connect with, I don't know, fans my age a lot better than Rex and HUD might. Rex and HUD. Ryan and Rex might. <laughs> I am all over the place mentally today, let me tell you. That's why I'm not, that's why I don't have Jake's job. So again, with with no disrespect to Steve Fiziak, because I genuinely do not mean that, but I think that this is a very, very positive change to the Royals booth. They've also got Mike Sweeney and Jeremy Guthrie doing post-game commentary. So they've got like Royals fan favorites coming back in here and helping with the club a little bit more and being part of the media crew. And I think that's really cool. I don't know, like, how these two, like, what those two guys are like um, in terms of, like, what their personalities are. But I think it's really interesting that they, you know, again, bring back old fan favorites. At least Mike Sweeney was a fan favorite. I'm sorry, Jeremy Guthrie. I, I, I appreciate Jeremy Guthrie. But I'm just trying to say, I think all these new voices getting added to the Royals booth and the Royals media team. I think it's going to be really, really cool. I'm personally really looking forward to that. So I hope you are as well. Now, these are all like cute little things. You might be wondering like, okay, like that's fine. But what does, what does that have to do with the actual Royals? I want to see the Royals be better. Bobby Wood Jr. stealing 10 more bases is not going to make the Royals a much better team. Okay, I understand that. Fair enough. And I will concede that the Royals are going to have a losing season this season. I said that they're going to lose 76 and 80. They're going to lose. They're going to go 76 and 86. So not great. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. They want the Royals to be in the in the postseason right now. So do I. I'm also thinking realistically. That's just not happening right now. But there is something a lot different about this team. And this is what you should look look forward to. This roster in general, or rather what this roster is not. This roster has lots of young what-ifs. That's what that, that's what you should really look forward to, the young what-ifs. And this is so much different from the last several seasons because those seasons had old what-ifs. Those seasons had, well, what if Hunter Dozier gets back to 2019 Hunter Dozier? What if Whit Merrifield puts up a 100 OPS plus or what if like uh I don't know the this guy that we just picked up what if like Carlos Santana is able to re-enter his prime what if Homer Bailey is able to turn into something hey we just got back Greg Holland and Wade Davis remember those guys whoa let's get the whole HDH trio back together let's see if that we can have that happen again what if we can recreate that again Gerard Dyson's back what if what if what if he's valuable to the team what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? That is what we, what, what, have we, what we have kept asking ourselves about players from past teams based on their past history. This time, we're asking what if in regards to the future. Like, hey, what if Bobby Witt Jr. puts up a five-war season? He hasn't done that yet, but that's totally possible, right? What if Vinny Pasquantino puts up a five-war season? Again, he hasn't done that yet. We're not chasing the past. We're looking to the future. And that's what a rebuild should actually be like. We're trying to build a team that will be competitive for, hopefully, a foreseeable future. And we're not going to be doing that by, 
wondering if maybe Hunter Dozier will be actually somewhat usable this year. Like, okay, sure, we've got Zach Greinke. And we're, we're kind of wondering, hey, what if Zach Greinke hits 3,000 strikeouts this year? But th there's nothing wrong with, like, having veterans on the team. What's important is that the veterans are not defining the team. This team is defined by Brady Singer and these other young pitchers who have unfortunately struggled a lot. Chris Bubich. Um, when he comes back, Daniel Lynch. But then these young hitters. We're not, we're not looking at Whit Merrifield to be our best hitter. We're not asking Jorge Soler to be our best hitter. Sure, we've got Salvi here, but we love Salvi. And I don't know, what's the issue with Salvi? I don't have an issue with Salvi personally. But I think this lineup is really going to be defined by Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino. And the what-ifs we're asking for the future are not only how good can they be, but also the supporting cast. Michael Massey. What if he's someone who can, come, who can show up and be a regular player every year, year in, year out, be a three-war player or something like that, be productive with the bat and the glove? Kyle Isbell. Things haven't started off super well for him, but what if he can turn it on and be, again, a young piece? Drew Waters. What if the Royals really struck gold by trading for him and reforming him after just getting him for an extra draft pick from Atlanta? Turning this former top prospect around, being going from like a, a, tri, a quadruple A bust player to, again, an, a regular hitter in this lineup. No longer are we so concerned about the upside of some 30-something-year-old player. Now we're doing that with the younger guys, the 20-something-year-old players. That's a lot more exciting, in my opinion. That's something to look forward to. Because there's a higher chance... That the what-ifs for those younger guys will come true. And that kind of flows into the fourth uh, thing to look forward to this season, which is the offensive improvements. Jumping from AAA to the major leagues is not easy at all. So whenever someone shows up and struggles, it's understandable. You, you, you kind of have to pity them a little bit. It's like, yeah... It's not easy for everybody. You know, I know that last year we had this insane rookie class of uh, Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Stephen Kwan. And it's like, wow, those were all so great. Why couldn't anybody on the Royals do that? But look, not everybody can do that. Some other guys are like Spencer Torkelson, who are completely useless when they reach the major leagues. But now the guys in this lineup, they're seasoned. They've seen Major League Pitching before. And so, that experience, that early experience, can translate into something much greater. For example, here's something that I find kind of interesting. So, there's a metric called Z-Swing Percentage, which is defined by swings at pitches inside the zone. So, you know, you would like to swing at a pitch that's thrown in the strike zone because it's a strike. You should probably swing at it. So... Starting from August 1st, because this got rid of, you know, most of the veterans on the team by this point. Like, well, rather, really just Whit Merrifield and um, uh, Michael A. Taylor. But in general, you just saw the younger players play a lot more than the older guys in, in general. So I felt like this was a good range that would help uh, show a bit of an example of how this young core is hitting. So that Z swing percentage, like I said, the Royals swung at 68.6% of pitches in the strike zone. 
You might be wondering, okay, well, like, is is that good? That is fourth most in baseball. Um, weirdly, the they're they're actually tied with the Tigers of all teams, and then above it is the the Rangers and the Braves, and not far below the Royals are the Blue Jays, the Astros, and the Dodgers, and then the A's for some reason. So I don't know. Some teams are, I guess, some teams are trying to swing in the strike zone, and maybe that's not always a good thing. But here's the thing. The Royals were also 10th place in hard hit percentage across all of baseball. So they're not only swinging at pitches in the zone fairly well, but they're hitting really hard when they do so. So the Royals' hard hit percentage is top 10. Meanwhile, their soft percentage is, is bottom 5. But that's actually a good thing. This means that it's ac they're actually hitting the ball softly less than most teams. They, they're actually the 25th overall, or I guess 5th, depending on how you want to uh, put this. Now, I'll admit I was starting to cherry-pick this a little bit by saying, hey, look at how many pitches they're, they're swinging at in the zone. Bit of a drawback, though. Well, Royals swing at lots of pitches in general. So, separating the rookies, I then looked at the outside swing percentage. How many, how often are Royals rookies swinging outside the zone? 28.8%. That is the 12th least in baseball. Again, only factoring in rookies, but it's signaling a trend within this team. The younger players are laying off of pitches and hitting the ones that they need to really hard. So don't you worry about Adalberto Mondesi hacking away at something that bounces in the dirt or anymore. I mean, Salvi might do that instead for, for you, but we're seeing a little bit of a different take on Royals hitting, I think. And I think it's a... Excuse me. Had a little bit of a burp right there. I was just so excited for this Royals future, I want you to be excited about how the Royals are hitting because they're hitting differently and they're hitting a little better than a lot of other teams. So those are the four things to look forward to. The rule changes, the commentary slash booth changes, the young what ifs, and also the offensive improvements, especially with the new philosophy that's being instilled into this younger generation. Kids these days just... Don't appreciate a ball that goes over the catcher's head. <sighs> Frickin' Zoomers and their their TikToks and their Fortnites. Anyway, let's get into some hot takes. Hot takes. What do I mean by hot takes? Well, these are things that aren't necessarily likely to happen, but I think they very well can ha happen. And I think they'd be really cool if they happened because these are all positive hot takes. Again, no negative takes today. So here's my first hot take. The Royals will have multiple, and, I, and I'm going to say three, at least three, all-stars this season. I don't think it's actually too unlikely for them to have multiple all-stars, but if they do then that'll be a pretty solid improvement or a rather solid um, showing for this team. Last time we had multiple All-Stars was actually 2021 because Whit Merrifield got to go in, but that was kind of by like a bit of a technicality because Jose Altuve stepped out and I think another guy got injured, so 
That went to a player vote. Players voted for Whit Merrifield to get into the All-Star game. I am not trying to take away from Whit's accomplishments. No, sir. He deserved to be an All-Star this that, that year. I'm just saying. It's been a while since we've had a huge rally of fan support for Royals players to go into the All-Star game. Last time that really happened was 2017 when Moose was in the last chance sort of wave. We can kind of count on Salvi getting into the All-Star game, like in general, just because he's that popular of a catcher. So that's why I want to say three All-Stars, because you can maybe see Salvi just getting it. Like if Salvi goes on another tear in the first half, then yeah, he's just in because everyone knows Salvi. Like, everyone just knows who Salvi is, and they're going to vote for Salvi. Salvi gets a ton of votes every single year. So, you have to consider it's going to be Salvi plus two more guys. Now, I think Scott Barlow has a good chance. I think that it can be a pitcher, you know? And the pitchers are not voted on by fans. Pitchers are voted on by managers. So, it could be Scott Barlow, who has been getting a lot of attention from people who were like, hey, this guy is super underrated around the league. Maybe he could be a starter. Zach Granke, that would be pretty cool. Brady Singer, potentially. But if it could be a multiple position players, that would be something a little more special. So, yeah, I'm actually going to say three All-Stars this season. The Royals are going to have three All-Stars. I don't think that, is, that has happened since 2017, kind of like I said, because we had Salvi, Moose, and... Jason Vargas, because remember that? Remember when Jason Vargas was like the best pitcher in baseball for a couple of months? That was cool. So that's hot take number one. Number two. I actually have no idea how hot of a take this is. This is actually just something that I really want to happen, although I guess it is negative. My second hot take is that Hunter Dozier does not finish the season with the Royals. I've been kind of saying that this season is the last season for Hunter Dozier, like no matter what. But I kind of think that it would just result in a DFA in the off season or something like that. I'm actually now kind of changing that to the Royals just give up on Hunter Dozier in August or September if he's not hitting well. They just get it over with. They just get him out. Or, and this would be like super crazy, the Royals somehow trade him. I don't know what scenario would have to happen for Hunter Dozier to be traded to another team unless the Royals literally just give him to someone. They, they, they're just like, all right, we're going to pay this guy $9 million to screw off. Please just put him on your roster so that we can get him out of here. Like, I don't know. The Athletics are a team that kind of comes to mind because they don't spend any money on anybody. <laughs> they don't have anybody on their roster. It, it, it's, it's bad over there. It's real bad. I don't know, though. I think that's really unlikely. And Hunter Dozier would have to have to hit at least a little better than he does now for anybody to even take him for free. Because if the Royals have to trade him, they'd not only have to pay money, they'd probably have to give up someone else too. They'd probably have to give up a prospect for <laughs> just to get rid of Hunter Dozier because he's actually that bad. But I think that this is a little bit of a different Royals regime who's not going to sit around and wait for a player to get better or just, I don't know, wait for the season to end so that they don't hurt their fee-fees. They're going to be like, you know what? You suck, and we have someone who, who who we really want to use this roster spot for instead. So get out of here. 
This is actually going to kind of tie into the theme that I have for the season, which we will get into a little bit later, but I still have a couple of hot takes to get through. So, number three. Now, this might be scorching hot. You're, you're going you're gonna to need a burn heal for this one. Get out some ice cubes. They're going to melt instantly. Just instant evaporation. The Royals will have an average pitching staff. And what, do I, what I mean by average is that Overall, they'll rank probably around 15th in like ERA or some other metrics by ERA plus, which is something that kind of takes into account a pitcher's entire performance and adjusts for ballparks, offensive environment, league wide performance, things like that. It will be 100 because ERA plus 100 is the average. So if the Royals have it, it, so as a team, the Royals must have an ERA plus of around 100. And I, 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 I no, let me, let me, let me be more definitive here. The Royals will have an ERA plus of 100 or greater as a collective. That is the hot take. And this is a hot take just because the Royals had were like dead last in most categories. Like team ERA, they were worst in the AL. Fielding independent pitching, it wasn't very good. I can't say that quickly for some reason. That's really weird. Bullpen ERA, starter ERA, it was all bad. Like, all of it was bad. The Royals were bad at everything. They walked the most guys. They struck the least guys out. It was it was terrible. They were just, they were just bad in every conceivable way. So for them to jump to just an average pitching staff, that would be a monumental leap. They would jump over, like, 14 teams right there. It's a hot take. I think this is a really hot take, but you know what? The Royals have talent, supposedly, and they've completely overhauled their pitching development. They've completely changed the way guys are throwing. So, you know what? I might as well buy into it and say the Royals are not going to be a complete laughing stock of pitching. They will simply be mid. I will accept mid pitching this year. ERA plus of 100 or greater. And then the fourth and final hot take, the Royals at the end of the season, will be a top 12 team in slugging percentage. This kind of flows into the offensive improvements that I was saying you should be looking forward to. The Royals, you know, you would never really think of the Royals as a slugging team, right? It's like, why would they, why would they be slugging? They play in a gigantic ballpark, and sometimes it gets really cold. You can't slug in that weather. You can't hit home runs in that weather. The Royals' slugging percentage was 380. That was 23rd in all of baseball. They were behind They were behind the, the Guardians. The Guardians suck. Actually, they don't. The Guardians were really good, but eh, whatever. All the teams below the Royals are just the really bad teams, except for the Rays. The Rays are below the Royals in slugging percentage. I don't know why, but then you got the Nationals, the Reds, the Pirates, the Marlins, the the Athletics, and the Tigers. Those are the those are the teams worse than the Royals in slugging. So the Royals are in real bad company. Plus the Red, the Rays, for some reason, for them to be slugging in the top twelve, they would have to be as good as Colorado. Now, Colorado's not good, but it's Coors, so they're going to slug. They just do that. That's just what happens. But then they'd have to be on the level of Milwaukee and Boston and in Baltimore, which are, you know, respectable teams. Not amazing, but somewhat respectable to get into the top 12. Are the real are the Royals really going to do that? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can, because like I said, offense is going to improve overall. In fact, 
I just kind of had this thing randomly open. I didn't even mean to do this, but uh, I, I had the, I sorted. Fangrass lets you just get rookie stats. It'll only include stats ac ac accomplished or accumulated by rookies, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And then I sorted by slugging percentage. Royals sluggers, Royals rookies slugged 399, which is fourth best in all of baseball. Again, only accounting for rookies. But consider that the Royals had a lot of rookies, and some of the, some of these other teams, like like this, is 983 plate appearances. That's actually almost the most. It's the second most, only behind Oakland, because Oakland will just have anybody play for their team. The teams that are above them are are the Cardinals, the Mariners, and the Athletic, and and the, not the Athletics, the, the 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 Braves. I said Athletic because I saw ATL. I'm freaking stupid. The Braves and the and the and the Mariners only got about 600 plate appearances from their rookies. So that's like what one player, two players. Cardinals got 1500. Okay, that's a little better. Royals got 2600 plate appearances from their rookies, and they slugged 399. If you slugged 399 as a team, you know where you would rank? 12th place. Oh. I'm seeing it now. I think I think we should let the boys cook because I think they're cooking, and I am hungry. I sound so freaking corny right now. So those are my four hot takes. The Royals will have three All Stars this year. Hunter Dozier doesn't finish the year with the Royals. The Royals will have a pitching staff with an ERA plus of 100 or greater. And the Royals will finish top 12 in slugging percentage across all MLB. That's Those are my four hot takes. And earlier we had the four things to look forward to. Now, let's get into the bottom of the ninth. Close this game out with a theme. I think the Royals have a particular theme for the season. Or rather, they should have a theme for the season. Which is confirmation. This season is extremely critical for the development of all of these players and also the future of this team. If this team is serious at, about competing in any way, shape, or form in the next few years, then this year, and I really mean this year, not, not any other time, they need to figure things out for real. The theme for the Royals this year should be confirmation. Whatever questions we have about Royals players in general, we should have a solid yes or no question or answer. We should have a solid yes or no answer for all of those questions. So one of the biggest, hottest questions for the Royals is, can Bobby Witt Jr. play shortstop? Is he good enough as a defender to play shortstop? That needs to be answered yes or no by the end of the season. We have the, we have the next six months to figure it out, but there should be a very, very clear answer to this question at the end of it. If yes, great. Then I don't think anything needs to really change. If no, well, we need to figure something else out. Is MJ Melendez actually going to stick at catcher even as a backup? Is Kyle Isbell or Nick Prado going to be a usable hitter in any capacity? 
And this is especially true for the pitchers. Do we actually have talented pitchers on this roster who were merely misguided and miscoached by the previous regime? Or did the past regime literally mess up so badly that we just have bad pitchers and there's nothing that can be done with that? These, need, these questions need to be answered definitively. We cannot go into 2024 wondering about what's going to happen. We should have a very clear idea of who is who throughout this season so that we can go into the, into the winter thinking, okay, we know what we have. We know what can be built upon. We know what we need in the future. Some guys, you know, some there are going to be some disappointments, and, and that's just how things go. But there, are, there, there should be lots of successes. Hopefully, there are lots of successes. If there are not a lot of successes, like for example, if it turns out Brady Singer really is the only one of the 2018 draft class that is capable of pitching in the major leagues competently, well, unfortunately, there's not much we can do about that because that was basically a, a different group of people who decided to make that happen. I don't know. But this is the year of figuring things out for real. We've gotten rid of whatever we assume to be in the way. Past management, most veteran players, they're gone. It's time for the kids to have their time. This is their time, and what they do with their time is going to have massive consequences. I don't know where I was really going with this, but the point is it's really important to figure things out. We should have clear, definitive answers for all the questions that we have going into this season. We should not be asking the same questions next season. We'll know what works and what doesn't. What does work, we'll keep. What doesn't work, we'll have to replace or find a solution for in some way, shape, or form. Or rather, I don't even know if that's the case. I think that this season should be the solution. We already know what doesn't work. So the solution is to get those guys working. And if they're not working, well, then we gotta get new guys, it seems. Maybe easier said than done. But whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Until then, I'm gonna end it here. Those were the four things to look forward to over the Royals 2023 season. Four hot takes Things that I think could happen this season, but maybe aren't so likely to. And the theme of the Royals 2023 season. I hope you enjoyed. This is the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I'm really, really grateful that you listened to this episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow me at the MF in KC. That is just the MF in KC. Or follow the podcast Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod for updates to this podcast. I'd appreciate it if you subscribed, rated, left a review on whatever platform you're listening on. But of course, I can't make you do that. I don't get to say what you have to do. All I want is for you to be enjoying your day. So thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of yours. And I hope you're having a good one. Although I'm saying this as if I'm not about to drop another podcast later on today because it's opening day. I kind of forgot that was the whole context because I'm recording this on Wednesday. Whoa.